Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sleep is such an important topic when it comes to weight loss. And today I have the perfect guest to join me to speak on this. Alana McGinn is here today. Uh, she's a sleep expert, founder of Good Night Sleep. She's the host of This Girl Loves Sleep podcast and the author of the book, This Baby Loves Sleep. Hello, Alana. How are you? Hello, Gina. I am well. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little sleepy. I'm in Whistler right now, um, and it's early. I'm drinking coffee, so I'm going to ask, can we drink, like, what's the story on coffee and sleep? Let's get right into that. <laughs> coffee is great. Yeah, listen, I have my cup in the morning, too. It's already been had. Uh, no, listen, caffeine, obviously, that can affect sleep for some. And to be honest, some are more sensitive than others. I know so many people who can drink, well, not so many, but some people who can drink a cup of coffee after dinner and sleep fine, and I am completely envious of those people because that is not me. Um, so I think if you know that you are more sensitive to caffeine, and I'm not just talking coffee, you know, uh, pop or chocolate or wh- tea, like wherever you would get caffeine from, um, yeah. it's always best noon on to eliminate it. So you can have your cup in the morning. You can even have one, two cups in the morning. Um, but, you know, try and eliminate it throughout the day. Okay, well, now that we got that out of the way, um, I, I love you. You're one of my favorite guests. Sleep is such an important conversation. Um, I know that we do have thousands of new members joining uh, this particular group and so many people all over the world now listening to our podcast. So maybe do a, a quick introduction. Uh, I know you're familiar with the program, but maybe a little bit more about yourself for our, for our viewers and our listeners. Absolutely. So my name is Alana McGinn. I am CEO and founder of Good Night Sleep Site. We are sleep coaching practice. We work with babies to adults to major corporations and help them sleep better. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your program, though, in my introduction, because okay. I started your program in September 2021. Wow. Um, it was my first time taking it. I had gained a lot, well, not more weight than I wanted to throughout COVID and the pandemic. Yes. Um, it was at my highest weight, committed to the 12 weeks, not didn't get to my goal weight, but got to where I was comfortable and I was happy. So I'm, I'm saying this to everyone who's maybe your first time with the program. Then I would join every one of your sessions after that. And, you know, maybe I didn't drink enough water or maybe I stopped after three weeks. Um, my point in saying this is I never went back to my original, to my original highest weight, because yeah. even on the times where I was eating poorly, I think I was still very mindful. Yes. What we learn in this program um, of what I was eating. And I will say this session right now, week three, I am committed. I am doing it with all of you. So this is why I love talking to your community. Cause I'm part of the community. <laughs> I'm down 10 pounds nice. um, I'm with you guys. Totally. <laughs> I love, can I just talk about that? Is there like different seasons in your sleep? Like, you know, you'll do a program and everything is aligning in your life and the weight is coming off. You're doing great. And then you sign up for the next program to continue your journey and life gets in the way. Is our sleep similar to that? Like, or should we just be sleeping amazing all the time? Or do we have different seasons where our sleep is better at certain times or certain times of the year than others? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, listen, when we talk about insomnia, we can talk about like acute versus chronic. So acute insomnia is something that I've suffered from, you've probably suffered from, everybody watching at some point in their life has suffered from. And that is just when we are going through, like you said, a different season of life where sleep is just, is hard to come by. Maybe we're going through, we have more stressful, more anxious, more worrisome times in our life where yeah. struggle or we're not feeling well. Or as women, you know, there's two nights guaranteed a month that I'm not going to be getting a good night of sleep, right? We go through different hormonal shifts different uh, situations throughout the month. Um, You know, someone who's suffering from chronic insomnia is someone who's been suffering from sleep loss long term. um, And that's something that we can dive more into. But absolutely, you know, I'm knowing what I know about sleep and doing what I do for a living. I'm human. There's still some periods in my life where I don't sleep well, like that's normal. It's normal to have a bad night of sleep. It can happen. 
Woo, okay, that makes me feel better. <laughs> I know we've had you on a few times. I've learned so much from you and made some real sleep uh, changes, especially when it comes to my sleep hygiene. But let's break it down. Why? I mean, for me, I think sleep is underrated. Obviously, when it comes to weight loss, that's when your body's repairing and rebuilding and making change. So you need sleep. But why do you feel that like people need sleep? Well, if we look at the three pillars of health, and you know what, I'll even extend it to four pillars of health. We look at nutrition, exercise, sleep, and then I always add this fourth because I think if we've learned anything in the past four years is the importance of connection, right? So how important it is for us to be connected to others and to have those relationships. I really look at sleep as the foundation of all of our pillars because when we're not sleeping well, we're not making great nutritional choices. Um, Our body isn't able to metabolize food as well. We're not able to digest food as well. We tend Mm -hmm. to crave more carbs, more sugars. Um, We're not moving our body because we have no energy to do it. So, you know, physical activity, just like eating well, is such an important part of our overall health and wellness um, to move our body daily. We don't have the energy to do that. And then if we look at the connection of others, you know, we're more uh, irritable. We could be more moody. Um, You know, it can... um, heighten any symptoms of, you know, depression or any kind of mental illness, um, just our day-to-day, our quality of life day-to-day um, hinders. So that's if we're looking at the pillars. Also what goes on inside our bodies, if we're not sleeping well, um, when we look at our brain, you know, it, it's not able to prepare our brain for the day ahead. So we have less concentration, our memory can be affected, um, it can affect our cognitive ability, um, affect our overall energy and how our body's repairing itself. So sleep is a huge fundamental um, in our overall health and wellness. And I, I do feel that in the past five or so years, maybe even a bit longer, it's starting to gain the same importance as working out and eating well. But prior to that, it was kind of, I always say we wore lack of sleep as that badge of honor. It wasn't really, didn't have the same value as everything else. Yeah, I'll sleep and I'm dead. You know what I mean? Like, no one exactly. really values sleep. In fact, I get, I'm here at the uh, Canadian Obesity Summit, and there was a talk just yesterday. Unfortunately, I missed it because I was uh, listening to another speaker, but actually on sleep and the importance of sleep when it comes to weight loss. So, you are starting to put more emphasis on that. Look, okay, so then it comes down to how much do we need then? And is everybody like different? How much, how much sleep do we need? So, every, yeah, it's different for everybody. You know, on average, we hear seven to eight hours. Um, but everyone has their own personal baseline for sleep, their own personal sleep needs. So I always say between six to nine hours, because some people can function fine on six. Some people might need more and might need nine. I think if you're heading towards that kind of bracket, you're good consistently. Um, so, you know, and some nights you might need more or less depending on what stage of life that you're in and what you're going through at the time. So, um, I always say, how do you feel the next day? So if you're consistently getting six, seven hours of sleep and you feel fine the next day, you have energy, um, you feel like you feel, you know, listen, none of us feel, you know, bright and cheery and singing like Snow White when we wake up in the morning, but you generally feel well rested, like you've had a pretty good night of sleep, um, then that should be telling you that those six to seven hours work for you. If you're watching this and you think you're functioning fine on say four to five, because I will hear that a lot. I get four hours of sleep. I feel great. I get five hours of sleep. I feel great. There are those individuals in the world that can function perhaps and only need four to five. It's very far and few. You're likely not one of them. Um, and what happens is it's like drinking. I always say the more you drink, your tolerance for alcohol increases, right? Well, the less sleep you get consistently, your body begins to feel okay on that amount of sleep. But ah. what's going on is likely telling you a different story, right? So focus on those six to nine, whatever works best for you. Is that why when you're not getting good sleep and then when you finally get good sleep, you like feel tired? Absolutely. And so what happens is when we're overtired, so if we're talking about sleep deprivation, so we have a, an existing sleep debt, our body is in a sleep debt. What happens is our stress hormone cortisol is increased in our body, right? Wow. Yes. So as we start chipping away at that sleep debt, and so that, that makes us feel like overtired. You would think you would feel tired and low energy, but you're actually like wired. You're wide awake, right? Mm. So as we start chipping away at that sleep debt, those levels of cortisol decrease. So that's why there's that adjustment period where you actually feel like you have less energy because it's actually your body 
starting to feel normal, starting to feel, you know, you're getting your hormones aligned and you're starting to feel how you actually should be feeling. Oh my goodness. Okay. So what, can you summarize, what does a good night's sleep look like and then feel like to people? Like how would I know I'm getting a good night's sleep? So you know you're getting a good night's sleep, again, how you're feeling in the morning and how you're feeling throughout the day. So what I mean by that is we all wake up throughout the night. You know, the term, I hear it a lot because we work a lot also with like babies and children, sleeping through the night, right? Does your baby sleep through the night? Do you sleep through the night? The thing is, is we all wake up throughout the night. None of us hit that pillow, fall asleep and sleep straight through until the morning. We all go through different transitions, right? So we're, we're transitioning in and out of sleep cycles. As adults, we're having about five to six cycles of sleep per night if you're getting the right amount of sleep per night. As we're transitioning from one cycle to another, we're partially waking up. Now that's called partial arousal. Sometimes you can wake up fully. Most of the time, you don't really realize that you're waking up, right? So this is where people might wake up at say three o'clock in the morning and have difficulty falling back asleep or that type of thing. So if you know that you're not really dealing with a lot of fragmented sleep, so you can't really fully remember waking up throughout the night and you know, you're not going through those tossing and turning periods, you're feeling okay throughout the day, you're not showing a lot of excessive daytime sleepiness, that signals to me that you're getting pretty good quality of sleep. If you are still feeling like you're sleeping well throughout the night, you're getting your seven to eight hours, you don't feel a lot of fragmented sleep throughout the night, but you're showing a lot of excessive daytime sleepiness. And I'm talking not just like low energy fatigue. I am talking about you cannot keep your eyes open. You are falling asleep at red lights. You are falling asleep in meetings. That right away to me is a red flag that you're not getting the right quality of sleep at night. So what could we be looking at? Could we be looking at something like sleep apnea? Um, could we be looking at some kind of sleep disorder that's not allowing you to get a great night of sleep? That's when it's worth having a conversation with your doctor who would then refer you to have a sleep study done at a sleep lab, lab or clinic. I think a lot of people are really wowed right now, or at least I was the first time you mentioned that it is normal to wake up because I'm, you know, when I'm awake and I'm like, oh my God, I'm having this. So it's com- just to say it again, it's completely normal and to be waking up throughout the night. Absolutely. Absolutely. When it doesn't become okay is when we are having either three nights or more for three months or longer. So think three and three of interrupted, of the inability to fall asleep when you want to. That is insomnia. Mm -hmm. I always explain there is a difference between sleep deprivation and insomnia. So sleep deprivation is just sleep loss. So it's, it's someone who perhaps isn't focusing on their sleep health. They're getting less sleep than they need. Um, they're not really value. You know, I don't say value, but they're not really putting any effort into their sleep health, but they're okay with that. Like they're not concerned about it, right? That's sleep deprivation. Sleep or insomnia is someone who cannot fall asleep when they want to, whether that be at bedtime whether that be if they wake up in the middle of the night for, again, three uh, days a week or, or three months longer, um, and they're hyper-focused on it. They worry about it before they go to bed. They want to sleep. They want to sleep better, but they can't do it. That is insomnia. So we often kind of just say, oh, I have insomnia. I'm not sleeping well, therefore I have insomnia. You might not have insomnia. You might just be sleep-deprived. So there's a difference between the two. Okay, so sleep deprivation... That's, for example, where uh, sleep hygiene would come in. You actually have quite a bit of control over that. And then insomnia, is this where if someone is listening, they're like, I have insomnia, what would be the steps for them? They would seek out someone like you. They would go to a sleep clinic. Like there is hope for them. Yeah. 100%. So when we talk about sleep hygiene, those are, you know, steps and practices. It's really lifestyle changes, right? That we can do, but sometimes we need to take it a step further and that is if we are dealing with someone who has chronic sleep, um, as chronic insomnia, that is where we might have to dive into something like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. for insomnia. So CBTI. There are different therapies that fall under that umbrella. Sleep hygiene is one of them, but it often, you often need to do something more. So could, could it be stimulus control where you're actually getting out of bed if you can't sleep throughout the night, if it's taking you longer than 15 or 20 minutes, get out of bed, do a quiet activity, and then try to get back into bed again. There's sleep restriction. Is this where you're going to bed, say, at 9 or 10 o'clock at night, but now you're you're tossing and you're turning until 11 or 12? Do we need to kind of push bedtime out later and later to shorten that sleep onset when you get into bed? 
Um, there's positive affirmations, working on our relationship, kind of, again, shifting our mindset like we do in your program on our relationship with sleep. If you are someone who has been struggling with a loss of sleep long-term, <clears throat> it makes sense that you don't have the best relationship with sleep. How you view your sleep health is negative, right? You're going to bed thinking, I know I'm not going to sleep well tonight. I'm going to feel horrible tomorrow. I'm the world's worst sleeper. It doesn't help you sleep well. So it's shifting that mindset, whether you believe it or not, shifting the way you look at your sleep health. So again, a lot of different, so you would work with a sleep therapist. I'm not a sleep therapist. So I would work with you to work on more behavioral changes Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, refer you to a sleep therapist to do the, to add on the CBTI component. Okay. So this may be a loaded question, but what do you think are the, the mistakes that people make when trying to improve their sleep? I mean, if I just focus on the top, I'm going to say the top three first is we are such a connected society. We are always connected to something, always in front of some kind of screen, right? And this just brings me to a conversation I always have in terms of tech. Either we need to remove it completely at night or we just really need to set boundaries on what we're allowing in. Um, You know, in my opinion, it is the reason why we are such a sleep deprived society is not just in front of that bright screen. Because again, that, that flips that switch in our brain off, right? That sleep switch in our brain off. But it's also what are we consuming before we go to bed? Um, are we checking work emails? Are we watching scary news headlines? Are we just mindlessly scrolling on TikTok and just, you know, stimulating our brain far too much before we go to bed? Um, another reason is let's look at the environment in which we're sleeping in. That's just, that's a, a component of sleep hygiene, really focusing on creating the best sleep environment that you can in terms of, um, creating a, a conducive, a sleep-like sanctuary, a calming and relaxing retreat. Another component, in my opinion, is our stress levels. Let's be honest. We are at an all-time, our stress is at an all-time high, right? Uh, I mean, it always is, but I think now more than ever. So, Agreed. you know, when I'm, whenever I'm talking about sleep, I talk a lot about the morning and I talk a lot about the daytime because often when we think of making sleep changes, we're just focusing on what do I do at bedtime and what do I do throughout the night? But right. what we do throughout the day and in the morning can really help us sleep better. So managing your stress, learning different coping skills throughout the day so that when the distractions of life are gone and you're lying in your bed and every you know thought comes into your brain, um, you've learned the coping skills possible. You've applied them during the day and you can trust that you can do it again tomorrow. You don't need to think about it at three o'clock in the morning. Woo. Okay. Can we summarize then sleep? Cause you said we, we both mentioned sleep hygiene and obviously listening to you, I'm very aware of what sleep hygiene is, but can you summarize like what is sleep hygiene? So sleep hygiene, again, are, you know, often we think hygiene, it's not, you know, cleaning yourself or anything like that. Sleep hygiene are steps and practices that you can do to have optimal sleep health. So it really boils down to habit changing and lifestyle changing. So some of the more important steps that I focus on are keeping consistent sleep patterns. So trying to go to bed and waking up in the morning around the same time, I would say 80% of the time to really focus on that. I want people though more to focus on more of having a consistent wake time than bedtime. And what I mean by that is you can have some inconsistencies to your bedtime because I would rather you go to bed when you actually feel tired than just when you think you should go to bed. And what I mean by that is a lot of people will say, well, I go to bed at nine or 10 because nine or 10 sounds like a good bedtime. But if you're not tired at nine or 10 and now you're up for an hour or two, and this isn't the people that are up for an hour or two, like scrolling TikTok. These are the people who are really actively trying to go to bed at nine or 10 and unable to. Um, maybe we need to push your bedtime out to 11 or 12 so that you're falling asleep faster in bed. This isn't me giving you permission to stay up till like two o'clock in the morning, but you know, maybe we need to push bedtime out. But if we wake up consistently in the morning, that's going to help us build a better drive for sleep throughout the day and fall asleep a lot easier. So consistent sleep patterns, working on a great sleep environment, making sure we're working again, like a conducive environment. I always say, focus on your five senses. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you tasting? What are you feeling? What are you missing one? Hearing, hearing, um, environment routine. We all need, you know, we do these amazing bedtime routines for our kids, but what kind of bedtime routine are we doing for ourselves? Mm -hmm. It's hard to go from a hundred to zero. Oh, sorry. My computer like literally just 
There we go. Nope. Okay, I'm back. Um, sorry, that never happens. Um, my, uh, so, you know, create a great bedtime routine for yourself with activities that you actually want to do. And what I mean by that is a bath is an amazing activity to include in your bedtime. Absolutely. So is a shower. But if you're not a bath person, don't have a bath at bedtime just because you've heard it works really well. Because now you're just going to be miserable in your bath and then miserable when you go to bed. So like, don't, don't, you know, suffer through to the finish line, like include calming activities that you want to include that you actually enjoy doing. Um, but make sure that you, that you do them. Um, and then it's things like we talked about, you know, limiting caffeine. That's a great step in sleep hygiene. Um, watching what you eat, you know, staying away from big, heavy meals right before you go to bed, give your body enough time to digest its, uh, digest its food before you go to bed. So simple changes like that. Yeah, I know. Like I'm into like skincare, right? Like, yes, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm obviously I want to take care of my skin, but I found like, it's very, whenever I kind of go through the motions of, of going through the skincare and kind of indulging in that, it really kind of sets up the, it, set, it puts me in the mood to kind of get ready for sleep. And I feel like, okay, I'm ready, you know? Yeah. And, and then when I don't do it, I, 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 you know, maybe it's because when I don't do it, I'm like, oh, I should get, I should totally do that. I should get on and I'm not doing that. I'm thinking about what I'm not doing and that snowballs into other things I'm not doing. And so yeah. there is something to be said about um, habits and routine when it comes to bed. One of the things uh, I, I thought was really interesting and you just touched on that is, you know, I, I'm trying to go to bed early, right? Like that's mm-hmm. like, People are like, well, I'm, I'm trying to, that's their, that's their sleep hygiene is the only thing they're doing is trying to go to bed early and then they just lie there and then you're awake. So is it, is it, should you fall asleep fast or like, should it take you time to fall asleep? Like, so say I go to bed early and then I'm lying there 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Like what's the, what, what, what do I do then? Is, is it not the right time? Do I get up? Do I force myself to sleep? Do I do deep breathing? Do I meditate? What do I do? So it should take a well-rested individual. It shouldn't take longer than 15 to 20 minutes to fall asleep. If it's taking you 15 to 20 minutes to fall asleep, you are overall deemed a well-rested individual, okay? Anything, if you're falling asleep the second your head hits the pillow, you might think that's okay, but that's signaling to me you're exhausted, you're sleep deprived, something needs to change. Or if it's taking you longer than 20 minutes to fall asleep, and now we're tossing and we're turning and we're clock watching, which we've all been guilty of doing, and now we're doing the countdown in our head. um, That again signals to me that you are likely overtired, and we need to work on something. So if that's the case where you are, it's taking you longer than 15 or 20 minutes to either fall asleep at bedtime or fall back asleep if you wake up at, say, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. The best thing you can do, and I know the hardest thing you can do, because nobody wants to get out of bed once they're in bed, is to get out of bed. And this is actually called stimulus control. It is one of the therapies in CBTI. Get out of bed. Leave your bedroom. Don't turn on every light. Um, it takes seven seconds of to be immersed in light to drop your melatonin. Melatonin is our natural hormone. So we want to avoid doing that. Okay. It only takes seven seconds to do it. So, you know, dim lights, um, don't check your phone. Don't surf your phone. Don't turn on the TV. Don't check your emails, but do like a quiet activity, maybe read in a book, uh, do a puzzle. If you crochet, if you craft, if you, whatever you want to do a little activity, right? When you start to feel sleepy again, then try again. And you might have to do this yo-yo back and forth, back and forth. But with time, you're going to be training your brain and your body to fall asleep quicker when you get into bed. And you'll also be able to um, understand what is more of an appropriate bedtime for you. So if this is mm-hmm. happening, you're going to bed at, say, 930. But you're, you notice in the past week of doing this, you're falling asleep around 11. Well, yes. Maybe 11 should be your actual bedtime. Right. So that's where you can play around with things. Okay. And then just to, uh, just for sake of clarity, if I'm waking up at say two o'clock in the morning and I'm like wide awake or the other day it was like four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, do I, I, you're suggesting I get up. I I go, I don't know. Go sit on the couch. Yeah. Like go out, get out of bed, do a quiet activity. If that's happening consistently though, if we're seeing like a consistent, um, three o'clock, uh, waking to anywhere between two to four waking a couple of things that we want to look at is what is one in food, right? So we want to keep our, our blood sugar levels, um, uh, our blood sugar levels and throughout the, the night, 
Um, so are we seeing a drop? Is there, do we maybe, you know, while we want to avoid eating large meals before we go to bed, you can incorporate maybe a small um, bedtime snack to keep your blood sugar levels leveled throughout uh, the night. So, um, you know, focus on complex carbs or protein, um, you know, banana with peanut butter or grain toast with peanut butter, like a yogurt and granola type thing, not a huge meal, but just a little bedtime snack. Also, if we're getting those consistent three to 4 a.m. wakings, um, are, is it a result of you're going to bed too early? You know, it's funny when I explain this to people that it's happening, like it's, it's, it's so obvious, but you might not see it. If you're going to bed at nine o'clock every night and you're consistently waking up at three to four in the morning, that's like seven to eight hours. I'm not doing my math real quick in my head, yeah. but we're looking at like six or seven. So that might just be your body naturally being like, we've had enough sleep. This is all we need, right? So this is again, where we start playing with that bedtime. Do we need to go to bed later to push through that three or four o'clock waking to wake up at a more reasonable time? So it could be something just as simple as that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I do want to touch on the, the bedtime snack because everyone's like, you told us not to I know for dinner and all of that. I know. <laughs> like, this is so like getting getting good sleep is really important and there are some trade-offs for sure so you know that would be like making sure you're adding in those heavier carbs if you need them at dinner time right just Mm -hmm. forcing yourself to have a salad and some chicken and when you are you know like no one should be going to bed hungry either or what you can do is play around with the timing of your food as well and kind of shift that a little bit later so i just wanted to clear that up the other thing i want to talk about though of what what you just said though but just with your body's needs change every day with the food that you need right is the same with sleep does your body does the amount of sleep that your body needs change on a day-to-day basis Absolutely. Because it really depends on on what you did that day. And also like what you're going through in life. You know, there was a study that came out. So if we just look at our mind, our brain, what, you know, our, our mental capacity, right? There was a study that came out about, I think it was two years ago now, that said that women on average need 20 more minutes of sleep per night than men. And the main reason why that is, is because of what we hold mentally versus what men do. And this isn't a jab at men for any man watching. Um, but we tend to have more computer tabs open in our head <laughs> at a time yeah. than men do, right? We, we yeah. microtask a lot more, right? Yeah. Um, and because of that, we need more sleep. So I'm explaining this because maybe you're going through a certain season in life where your brain is busier, your mind is busy, mm. you're physically you know, you're, you do a big workout or you burn more energy where you need more sleep. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's different reasons. Maybe you're not feeling well. Sleep always say is the best medicine. You need more sleep because of that to, you know, build up that immune system. Absolutely. There could be different reasons why maybe some nights you don't need more sleep. Now it doesn't mean you need like hours and hours and hours more sleep than you usually do, but there might be some periods in life where you do really need to put while you should always be focusing on your sleep health, maybe there's some periods of your life where you need to really focus on your sleep health for sure. Okay, great. So you talked about, um, talked about work, like at being more active. So is there like, um, like, can I tire myself out? Like, let's say I'm not sleeping great. And obviously exercises grow so great for your mental health, for your stress levels and all those things. Um, but if I like, like, like I, I'm away, right? So I like try, try to go for a swim. There's a pool here. So I'd like to go swimming in the evenings. I find it helps. But 
can you like tire yourself out to get a better sleep at night? Is that, is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, in terms of the times, and I'm often asked that, like, what's the best time to work out? Again, that's really very dependent on the individual. So what I mean by that is there are some people who, if they do like an evening, like a late afternoon or evening workout, their, their, um, you know, their cortisol levels are too, their adrenaline is too high and it makes it difficult for them to fall asleep at night. Mm-hmm. Where that that's when I would recommend working out more in the morning or early, like early morning, late morning type thing. Um, okay. Whereas there's some who can work out fine at night and sleep great throughout the night. It actually helps them fall asleep better. So again, coming back to that caffeine thing, it's really dependent on the individual. In terms of physical activity, um, just like eating well is important to get a great night of sleep, physical activity is very important. And we should really be focusing on 30 minutes a day. 150 or 150 minutes throughout the week. And the reason why that is, is if we talk about, well, I mean, just for overall health and well-being, physical activity is good, but in terms of sleep, um, when we focus on the morning, I talk a lot about why our morning routine is so important. When we wake up in the morning, if we look at, I talk a lot about sleep drive, right? Our sleep drive is like that pressure to sleep. Think of it like a tire all day long, we are putting air in that sleep pressure and we want that tire super full when we go to bed because that's going to help that sleep pressure super full because that's going to help us fall asleep. So how I also explain it is if when we wake up in the morning, whether we've had a good night or sleep or not, our sleep drive, think of it like a gas tank is on empty, right? And we need to take steps throughout the day all day long to fill that tank up full so that it's easier for us to fall asleep and get a great night of sleep. Ways that we do that is one, having those consistent wake times, right? Do you guys notice, and maybe in the in the comments, you guys can say type A if this happens to you, Sundays tend to be the worst night of sleep. One, because we're dealing with Sunday scaries, right? We're thinking about the week ahead and all that we got to do on Monday. But yeah. another reason is that we've likely slept in a lot in, on Saturday. We've likely slept in more on Sunday. We haven't built up enough. We haven't filled mm-hmm. our tank full enough to get a great night of sleep. So keeping those consistency patterns as best you can, um, getting in physical activity, moving our body throughout the day is the easiest way to fill that tank nice and full um, and making sure we're not, you know, I know we'll talk about maybe naps, but, you know, taking that nap to, to eliminate that, that, that gas in that tank is what we don't want to do if you're really struggling with sleep um, and immersing yourself in natural light. So waking up in the morning, letting that light come in, that's the best mm-hmm. way to wake us up naturally, the best way to start that drive, to start that tank filling. So that is a thing because more and more people are talking about get outside first thing, get that sunlight on you. That's one yeah. of the best things that you can do to help with your sleep. So, and I've been trying to do that in the morning. Absolutely. So that's actually a real thing just to confirm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, right. It is. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if we look at, it's our melatonin, this is our natural sleep hormone. It's largely released and suppressed by our external, external environment. So at night, we want to darken up the environment. Again, this brings us back to bright screens, right? Darkening up the environment as best we can. That's going to release that melatonin. Melatonin doesn't necessarily make us sleepy, but it prepares our body to sleep. It's what helps set our, our natural 24-hour clock. So in the morning, we want to suppress it. We want to sleep turn that sleep switch off in our brain, right? So immersing yourself in that natural light, we are now in a season where it's easier to do that because the sun is coming out earlier. Um, And again, this is the best way to naturally wake up in the morning. In the winter, you can look at things like natural light um, simulator alarm clocks because it, you know, a lot of us are still waking up when it's dark out. So it's a little bit harder, but going out for a morning walk, um, you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. You're getting in that physical activity. You're immersing yourself in that natural light. Um, it's a great thing to incorporate in your morning routine. Yeah, and again, that melatonin is that kind of that that kind of facilitates that wind down process. And then your body's trying to prep you and get you ready for that sleep. And then if you practice sleep hygiene and a you know um, a, a nice bedtime routine, and you're mindful about that, that sort of it all works together. My next question is on. Uh, menopause, hormones, hot flashes and stuff. I mean, obviously you want to go and speak to your doctor about those things. I'm assuming that, you know, proper, you know, or improved sleep hygiene, all these things that you're talking about are things that would actually help with that if that's the reason why you're having, you know, not getting a great night's sleep. 
Absolutely. I mean, that is that is a big um, a community that I speak to. One, I'm, I'm in there with you guys. Um, perimenopause right over here. Um, yeah, listen, it's hard. And it's that, you know, as you know, uh, some have more symptoms than others. You never know how it's going to affect you. So yes, absolutely. It's a conversation to have with your doctor. Um, educate yourself and find out as much information as you can. Um, I think we are in such a, an amazing time where more and more um, professionals are talking about it and starting to take yeah. this thing seriously because it can yeah. be really hard on women, mm-hmm. you know, and it absolutely can affect our sleep. Um, whether we're perimenopause, menopausal, postmenopausal, or pregnant, or, um, you know, in between the pregnant and the perimenopausal stage, um, you know, getting our period, like our sleep is affected by that 100%. So this is where you really need to focus on your environment. If we're just talking sleep hygiene, and we're not talking like HRT and things like that, we're just talking sleep hygiene. This is where you want to really customize, I would say, customize your side of the bed to you, whether you sleep alone, or you share a bed. Um, Hot flashes are real. Night sweats are real. All of those things are real. Comfort is key. Sleeping in a cooler environment is key. So do we need to install a ceiling fan? I cannot live without my ceiling fan. Do we need to, um, you know, have more breathable fabrics, more wicking Mm -hmm. fabrics, um, staying away from the big comforters and duvets? You can have a different comforter or duvet than your partner. Um, you can have different, a different sheet set than your partner, a different pillow than your partner. Um, But I also think it's really important just to accept the fact that there may be some nights where you don't sleep as well. And that is okay. Now, we don't want it to be every single night for weeks and weeks and weeks and years and years and years on end. Of course not. But if there's, you know, one or two nights throughout the week where you feel like you haven't gotten the best night of sleep, don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay. You know, in that time, rather than waking up at three in the morning, knowing you're going through this transition, knowing that's likely the case while you're not sleeping and starting to feel really bad about it and harden yourself for it. And now you're just hyper-focusing on the fact that you're not asleep. Embrace that time. What can you do during that time? Like I've gotten up at times and like organized my kitchen cabinet because that's, I'm like, I'm up. I might as well do something. Like it's okay to do that. You know, it's when we start like hyper-focusing and and, and that's just going to amplify our stress and worry. Again, I'm not saying do this every single night, but it's okay to like not have a good night of sleep. It's okay. Yeah. So let's talk about when you wake up. Like, what about when you wake up in the morning? Should you, should you just get up? Like say I, I wake up at 5.30. Obviously I can sleep till 6.30, but should I just wake up? Because I find like I'm wide awake and I'm thinking I should go work out and I should do this. And, I'm, and then I'm like, well, I have another hour. And then what seems to happen to me is they lie in bed another hour or maybe I fall back asleep. And then I wake up and I'm just like, ah, so tired. And then I don't do that. So should I just be getting up if I'm waking up naturally? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our snooze button is our biggest fault in the morning. And listen, I am just, I am at fault of it too, right? Hitting that snooze, hitting that snooze or what you said, waking up and I know everybody watching right now probably uses their phone as their alarm clock. I'm just going to say stores still sell alarm clocks. I know. And that's fine to do provided it's not the last thing you're looking at when you wake up in the morning or when you go to bed at night. And it's not the first thing you're looking at when you wake up in the morning, but using what you said as an example, I know, um, you know, if you know, you have like, Oh, I don't actually have to get out of bed for half an hour. I don't actually have to get out of bed for an hour. What do we do? We either fall back asleep, like you said, or you reach for that phone and you start checking your emails and you start just, that's like the worst thing you can do, right? Because A, what are we doing? We're just immersing ourselves in the chaos of life. My one rule in the morning for myself and one that I preach a lot about is don't check in to the outside world for at least 30 minutes after you wake up. Don't check your phone. Don't check your emails. Listen, I'm a business owner. I'm a mom of three. Like my phone can be busy. Don't do any of those things. Have a cup of coffee, visit with your kids, get your kids up to school, put in a workout, whatever you need to do before you check in with the outside world. So don't reach for your phone right away. Don't hit that snooze button because what's happening is you're tricking your body. Your body goes right back into that deep sleep. And then nine minutes later, you're waking up and then you're going back and you're waking up. So it's what's called sleep inertia. It's like a sleep hangover. um, And you're actually going to feel more groggy and foggy than when your alarm or when you naturally originally woke up. So the best thing you can do is when your alarm goes off, and I know this is hard, you guys, because it's hard for me too, just to get out of bed, get out of bed and start your day without checking your phone right away. 
Yeah, no, good tips. And they do add up. They, they make, they do all the little things that you can do make a difference. Absolutely. For sure. And then the, the days that I don't roll over and get on my phone, I'm always like, Oh, that's so nice. I'm just, yeah. Like, and sometimes I get up and then I, if I see that thing, I'm just like, it immediately puts me in a mood and then I'm stressed and I'm distracted and all those things. Okay. Enough about me. What about supplements <laughs> and like sleep aids? Well, how do you feel about those? Um, so melatonin is often a question that I'm asked, you know, can I, and should I be taking melatonin? Um, my thoughts on melatonin is I do think it can play a role for some. Um, so again, a supplemental melatonin, it's not a vitamin or mineral. This is a supplemental hormone is a hormone that we all have that it's very rare for you to be deficient in. And the Mm. best way to release this hormone is, again, our external environment, the light and the dark of the day, right? So before taking anything like that, start playing around with that and focusing on your sleep hygiene a little bit better. I think the reason why melatonin is being so actively used now for people, and again, it does, I do think it can play a role for some who are traveling a lot. So going through different time zones, you know, when you get home, Gina, it could be going through it, it's going to hit you hard, right? For individuals like that. Um, for some people on certain medications, we see it with some of our children, maybe children who are perhaps on the spectrum or taking certain adults now too, certain um, ADHD medications, it can work well for that. So it's a, that's a conversation to have with your doctor. Okay. Um, but for you just to take it because you're not sleeping well, um, you're likely not taking the right dose. Um, you are likely not taking, um, you're not taking the right dose and it's not being released in your body in the same way that your natural melatonin is released because it's, it's, um, the word I want is because it's so readily available. It's over the counter. A lot of people think of it as like a sleeping pill. If I take Mm -hmm. it, I'm going to feel tired. That's not how melatonin works. Melatonin just prepares your natural body clock to sleep. It's what helps drive your clock. So it doesn't make you necessarily feel tired. It prepares your body to sleep signals to your body. Okay. It's time to go to bed, but it's not just going to make you go out. So it's not something I recommend. The one that I do recommend that I know is, is used in your program is magnesium. Um, again, you know, whenever we're including any kind of supplement, it's always best to talk to your doctor before including it in your, in your daily diet. But, um, you know, magnesium is known to, um, you know, relieve stress and anxiety and, and all of those things. And it can really help, um, it can help you fall asleep better at night as well. So those who are starting to take magnesium with the program, I'm wondering if they're seeing a, you know, they could be seeing a, a, seeing their sleep improve because of it. Something that I take every day. Um, So those are like, that's the M I always say that's the M that I would recommend over melatonin. What about for shift workers? How would you, any, any suggestions? Is that where melatonin might come in that, you know, or um, any advice for shift workers who work those crazy hours? Yeah. Our shift work community is one I talk a lot to because it's, it's a fast growing community for sure. Um, And listen, this is where, when we're talking about sleep hygiene with you know, shift work, if we look at our natural 24 hour clock, it doesn't shift depending on when we want to go to bed. It stays 24 hours. So this is why, you know, we could see um, difficulty sleeping for those who need to sleep through during the day rather than at night because their body's just not as tired throughout the day, right? So this is where we really need to focus on sleep hygiene. So really setting up that environment for conducive sleep. So darkening up the room as best you can, even going as far as when you're driving home wearing, you know, sun blocking glasses um, and, you know, sun blocking your route into your room uh, when you go home, having conversations with individuals, family and friends to, to, you know, share with them that we really need to protect that time that I can sleep because while you're you're going to be sleeping against your clock, there's nothing we can really do about that. That's when you have to sleep. We really want to try and get the best quality of sleep that we can um, at that time. So I'm going to be traveling, um, I'm going to be traveling back though. There's like a three hour time change and I'm going to be traveling again. So, you know, what, what is that? Uh, how do you get back on track after, you know, travel and time change? Do you just stay awake or do you try to sleep? Like what best advice for that? Natural light is going to be your best thing ever. Um, so whenever you're trying to acclimate to a new time zone, immersing yourself in that natural light and darkening and then vice versa, darkening up the room when you want to go to sleep as best you can is, is 
the best way to get mm-hmm. you back on track in terms of, of the time that you need to get back on track to. Um, and then just getting back onto the new schedule, right? It might mean you have to take a little bit of a daytime nap. That's okay. But like a 15, okay. 20 minute nap, don't sleep the day away because you know, you're used to that maybe being your nighttime because you do want to, I always say you almost have to push yourself into more of an overtired state to get out of an overtired wow. state, you know, but wow. your body, it takes about a week for your body to adjust. So try to get back on the right time, you know, and if you have to take a little bit of a nap, that's okay. So back to shift workers, would you suggest like this is where naps would be appropriate for, for shift workers or someone working that 24 hour shift? Like, God, that yeah, I mean, if they, if they have to take in that daytime nap, um, absolutely. The only time I say to avoid naps is someone who is who has chronic insomnia. So someone who has a lot of difficulty sleeping at night. And I know those would be the people that you would think need the naps because they're not sleeping well throughout the night. But remember going back to that sleep tank, right? Filling our sleep tank full of full of gas. For those individuals, we want that tank nice and full at bedtime because that's the best way that's going to help them get a better night of sleep and kind of break through that insomnia throughout the night. So taking that nap, uh, you know, depletes that gas, which is what we don't want to do. So if you are someone, if you are a shift worker and you need that daytime sleep, absolutely get it in. If you are someone who has a pretty healthy relationship with sleep, you know, maybe there's some changes you need to do, but for the most part, you sleep pretty well. You want to take the occasional nap, not a big deal. If you're someone who's really struggling with sleep at night, those are the ones that we want to avoid any daytime sleep. Okay. How do you feel about like sleep, like uh, sleep trackers? Like I have the Apple watch and I got my phone and then you t- say, don't go on your phone with the- I'm setting my phone to set up my, my sleep watch and I'm checking it the next day. And then we ask people to like track their sleep in the app. Like, how do you, how do you feel about that? So I think what I, I have pros and cons to sleep trackers. My pros are that I do love that it is starting to make individuals focus more on their sleep health. And this is where I say things have changed in the last five years, right? And sleep talkers are a big reason why too, is we are starting to understand what we need to do to get a good night of sleep because of these sleep trackers. The reason why I don't like them is for a few reasons. One is it's the best way to really measure your quality of sleep is to have an EEG done. So this is in a sleep lab, in a sleep clinic, where they're actually monitoring your brain waves while you're sleeping. That is where you're going to get the actual correct results and measures. A sleep tracker, in my opinion, we're not there yet with those. So take the information you're getting with them with a grain of salt. Because okay. the other reason why I don't like sleep trackers is while they're allowing people to focus more on their sleep health. They're also forcing some people to, again, really hyper-focus and stress out about their sleep. So they might be looking at the results thinking, oh, I feel like I got a good night of sleep, but my tracker's saying that I only got, you know, 10 minutes of RAM or, you know, whatever. But that might not be the case because you can't really fully monitor your sleep by movement. So listen, if anyone's going to do it, Apple's going to do it one day. I just don't think they've gotten it there yet. (laughs) okay so we've talked we've talked about so many things such an insightful conversation honestly i'm so grateful for your time what am i missing is there anything that you're like people need to know this like is there anything else that we need to know a couple of things one is if you are taking any of the information that i spoke about today and creating like a sleep plan to go along with perhaps your 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 food plan that you're doing with this program like this program this program takes 12 weeks right Mm. Same with a workout plan. We can't go to the gym once and see the results that we need to see. So Mm -hmm. often we think by going to bed early or by not having tech one night, we're going to fix everything. It takes time. So whatever plan you put together with the tips that I share with you, um, you know, give yourself 21 days for you to see results, to work on your sleep. It takes time to do that. Um, But focus a lot on what's going on throughout the day too, in terms of your stress management. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if you're feeling like you're not very stressed out, you probably are. (laughs) So what are some great coping, you know, skills that you can do? Focus on meditation, mindful thinking, mindful breathing, constructive worry. Um, I don't know if we have time to like fully get into it, but just Google constructive worry. Allow yourself time throughout the day to stress the fuck out. Okay. Because here's the thing. I want you guys to do it during the day 
and not in the middle of the night. And you can do it throughout the day productively and constructively. I don't know if that's a word, productively. Um, it is now. Yeah, it is now. <laughs> um, so that you're not doing it at bedtime or three o'clock in the morning. That is a huge, I, I don't think we talk enough about the impact of stress and sleep, even though we know logically that would make sense. Um, it's a big one. Yeah. It's a, it sounds like we need to have you back or do a podcast specifically would on love that. stress and sleep. Yeah, that's like taking it to the next level. I'm all about that, but I am cognizant of our time uh, today. Where can people find you? Do, do you do workshops? Like, where, where, like, what are your resources? Where can people find you? So you can find me at goodnightsleepsite.com. That is our website. Um, we do a lot of corporate events, corporate virtual webinars. So if you work for a company and you have a wellness committee or an HR department and they're, you know, trying to get in wellness experts to speak, if you're looking for a sleep or stress management expert, please share them my information. I'd be happy to speak with them. We do have, um, DIY adult sleep programs at our, at goodnight sleep site. Um, if you go to goodnightsleepsite.com slash freebies, Um, We have a lot of free guides on stress management and sleep that you can download. And we have an amazing stress management program that's coming out in the fall that I will keep you guys all posted on because I'll probably be taking the Gina Levy fall program again too. And you'll probably be back (laughs) on with us. I'll be back on. Yeah. (laughs) You're stuck with us. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Oh, I love that so much. And you also have your podcast that is, I'm assuming it's available on all podcast platforms as well. Absolutely. This girl loves sleep. You can uh, get it anywhere you download podcasts. I'm always on Instagram, GN sleep site on TikTok, Alana.mcginn. Um, and you'll catch me on city line once a month or so. Yeah. I love it. Elena. I can't thank you enough. Honestly, um, such valuable information. I'm so grateful for your time. Uh, thank you so much for joining me and I will be in touch to talk to you and have that stress and sleep conversation. Cause I it's uh, no doubt is going to be amazing because you're amazing. Thank you. Oh, I love you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Good luck. We three guys, we can do this. Let's do Woo! it. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Have an amazing day. <laughs> Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.